It's a little different dynamic today, at least for me. Maybe it's part of the weather. <laughs> Blame it on the weather. Maybe that's why I used to make the jokes. One thing Jim has taught me over the years is how to talk about the weather. <laughs> I'll talk about the inner weather. How about that? You know, it's just it's interesting because, gosh, it's been 19 years now since I've been directly working with Jim and ILM and all these gatherings we have. And it's been just over 16 years now we've been doing the path of initiation. So we've been kind of at it for a little while now. And one thing I really enjoy and appreciate is just hanging out, how relaxed it is. And I realize sometimes that we can gather and we can each bring our own expectations or what we want or we don't know what to expect and the fears that can run. I mean, we all have all these things we anticipate based upon whatever that is we're seeking and looking for, whether it's inwardly, outwardly, what we're afraid of. I mean, I know people who won't come to the groups because they're too afraid or others that they just want all the attention. So we've got extremes that are in there, but most of us fall somewhere in the middle at any given time. And of course, that changes over time depending on what's going on in our lives or where we're at in our lives. But one of the things I find is that the more that we can gather like this and just relax into things, just how life is, and the more ordinary it becomes, the more vulnerable and receptive we become to this action of spirit. Because whenever we hold ourselves in a place of tension or anticipation, it actually narrows that opening that is within us. So the more we can relax and just open up, the greater fullness of the loving that we can allow ourselves to participate in, whether it's coming into us or whether we're going into it. Because it really is a two-way street, and we have to do both. We have to receive God's loving, and we have to give our loving to God to wake up and realize the fullness of this. It's like trying not to breathe. Try not to breathe. It's hard to do because either you're going to pass out or before you do, you're going to start gasping for air. Or if you're successful at it, you'll kill yourself. <laughs> but most of the time, you'll just go unconscious and then the body will start the process automatically breathing again. So we can only force ourselves so much. But the more we can relax into something, the more we can experience that life that is in that, whether it's the breath for the body which again is just a physical reflection of really that which is the life for the soul. The breath of spirit, that Holy Spirit, that action of meditation we do here of sharing our loving with God and receiving God's loving for us is that true breath of life. That as we learn how to participate in that, not only does that feed us, that's exactly what awakens us and literally gives us life. And all we have to do is participate. When we hold back, it's like trying to hold our breath. We hurt ourselves. We'll go unconscious. Well, isn't that what's happened here? In the state of asleepness in the physical body, in where we have fallen asleep to God? Haven't we simply, in a sense, held our breath till we went unconscious? 
so that now we're not even aware that we're breathing or that we're aware of the truth of life itself? Well, that's what's happened here. This state of consciousness here is one that is asleep. We've gone unconscious because of our resistance withholding. Think about these things. There's a real reflection here when we give physical references to spiritual actions that take place. Spirit is more simple and ordinary than we realize. And the more we allow ourselves to be more simple and ordinary, the more we're going to realize those divine truths spiritually. But we have to pay attention in order to know that. And that takes time because that attention we have to give is invisible to the physical. It's non-tangible to say the least. It truly can only be perceived through the spiritual eye, the eye of the soul. So we have to awaken that. And it is the action of meditation that does awaken that. This action where we just focus our attention here opens the eye. When that eye is closed, we're asleep. We have to wake up. Think about it. When you're asleep at night, you're unconscious, whether you're aware of your dreaming or not. When you wake up in the morning, what happens? Isn't there a moment where all of a sudden you realize you're in this body and you're waking up physically in this body? Isn't there a moment you're aware of that and then you become more and more awake as your body wakes up? whether it's before your coffee or not or whatever your routine is. There's what I'm talking about. You are aware that you are waking up in the body. And the body's unable to get up and move. Or even if you don't get up and move and you lay there for a while, you're still conscious. You're awake. You're aware in the body. That's how simple and ordinary the spiritual awakening is. I remember one time Spirit shared with me this phrase called dying is easier than breathing. Well, wouldn't it be the other way around as well? Living is easier than breathing. Because Spirit was sharing with me about that movement of life itself, that spiritual life. It is easier than breathing. It is easier, and I will say more simple, than the physical body's life. And what that is. And the more simple we can allow this to be, not make it, because if we try to make it, then of course we get in the way, we make it harder is what we often do in the physical consciousness. When we get all these belief systems, even around all the talks we do, each of us will take all this information and then out of our own belief systems and constructs, we'll apply it a way that we think is what was being spoken about. That's where it gets interesting to hear all the different sto stories. If we pass the microphone around right now with what I just said and heard from each of you, we're going to hear some different versions. But that's okay, because that's just part of our learning. But that simplicity is what we need to pay attention to. 
and realize that spiritual awakening in the life of the soul is easier than the breath in the body. So just as we wake up in the morning and we're aware consciously when we do in this body, it is the same spiritually. When we wake up spiritually, that eye will open and we will know because we will be conscious and aware of it just like we are in the body when we get up in the morning. It's the same thing. It is that clear, that real, because we are fully conscious, not in a dream state, conscious, aware. It was interesting because this morning in my own meditation, I literally got down in that deep, deep place where the body starts to fall asleep to go into the dream state. But when I've really built that energy enough and focus, I wake up. And this morning as I woke up in my inner consciousness, I was literally watching a screen like a TV screen. If I were watching a big screen TV, a rectangular screen right here, literally kind of right around here in my perception from the spiritual eye. And it was like 10 times more crystal clear than like 4K or whatever television is now and all that HD stuff. Because when we wake up spiritually, it is crystal clear because it is the spiritual vision. Why do you think we need glasses here? It's all fuzzy, it's blurry, because we're in different states of unconsciousness. Am I awake? I'm not really sure anymore. But when I have those awakeful states in meditation like this morning, I am very sure. I am so consciously present. There's no question of what's going on. And that is what we're attempting to do here in meditation, which seems strange, right? Because here we go inside to meditate and people are falling asleep. We're hearing people snoring and this and that or having a coughing fit because all of a sudden the body's reacting to all that movement. Because that's what the body does. It's like it goes through these convulsions and states of dying when the soul's waking up and having life. The body does respond or react to that movement of our consciousness because the body is trying to hang on to the soul that feeds and gives it life. And as that life is withdrawn, the body goes into reaction to bring it back. It's just what the body does. That's why meditation, we want to do it over and over on a daily basis over years of time. Because every single time we do, it is the minutest gradual shift of consciousness where we are waking, 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 waking up. And it's in that gradualness that the body adapts so that it is not so abrupt. Because the body literally responds as if the soul is leaving for the last time. Because the body knows without the soul, it dies. That's the truth. We know that. We're born and we die in this world. The body has a certain amount of life here. And as soon as we, the soul that gives it life, withdraws, its time is done. So guess what? When we go into meditation and we actually withdraw the soul and start to wake up spiritually, 
the body often will respond or react to that like we are dying. And that is a lot of the reason why people are afraid to meditate. Or even when they do, are afraid to leave the body to go into these other realms and dimensions because of that fear of death. Because the body knows it is a dying process. That's why in the East they even call this meditation practice dying the little death daily. But that's the point of it. If we can just die just a little bit daily and live a full life, well, by the time we live the full life, we will be fully awake and then the body will be fully dead. (laughs) But remember, when that body is fully dead and if we've really done the meditation and have woken up to the soul and the realms of spirit, we will be fully alive. We, the soul, will be fully alive. Now remember, the soul is always alive. The soul cannot die. It is eternal. We just don't know that until we wake up fully. And that is that transition where the body, we have to find ourselves getting past the fear of the body dying in order to experience and get on the other side of that transitional point where now we can let go of that fear of dying so we can now fully wake up and live. And then the body will adapt to that once we do. If it did not, Jim and I would be not here talking. We'd be dead and gone a long time ago, literally. It's funny when I hear people ask us questions and say, well, my God, if, won't I die then if I fully go home to God and wake up? I go, uh, hello? I guess I'm dead right now then in sharing. When the soul is awake, it has nothing to do with the body. We've got to begin to understand this action of spirit has nothing to do with the body. Spiritually awake, spiritually asleep, nothing to do with the body. It is about the soul. And where is the soul focused? Is the soul focused to God? where it'll be spiritually awake, or is the soul focused into the body where it'll be asleep? And all we're doing, as you've heard us say over and over, over all the years, is turning around. Every time we meditate, we're turning more, turning more back towards God and away from the world to wake up. That's it. We're just slowly turning around. And the more we do, the more awake we'll become. It's like the sun rising. It's dark, and little by little, that sun rises, and it gets lighter and lighter. That's what we're doing in meditation. We're focused down here. It's nighttime. Every time we meditate, our consciousness is rising up as we're looking up. So it's literally like the sun rising where there's more and more light, where we're more awake and more we can see. What do you think? Again, the outer reflection, even in this world, and the body going to sleep, and the sun sets, and the sun rising, and waking up, and the body responding to that. This physical reflection is amazing in the perfection of how it reflects the spirit, even though it is imperfect because it's just a reflection. But boy, what an amazing reflection! That's why if we can just look at how this world operates, 
That'll give us an idea of how spiritually things operate indirectly because we're dealing with reflection here. But that's why eventually we need to withdraw our attention from looking in the mirror to now going within to directly perceive that movement of spirit that can only be perceived through the eye of the soul, the ear of the soul, the experience of the soul. And that's it. This is not complicated. Do not add additional processes, prayers, belief systems, feelings. Doesn't matter what you think or how you feel about this. Does not matter. But if you make that matter, then those things get in the way of the spiritual action and your awakening. That's why if you can in meditation, just to let go at least temporarily your thoughts and feelings and your fantasies and just focus literally on being present with God, that inner light and inner sound, just being present and focusing on that. But you need to be active. That's why we have this sacred name, that chanting or singing or saying that name, there's an energy there. That energy is loving. So the more you focus on that, the more loving is awakening within you. That's what that frequency is. When you see the inner light or hear the inner sound or feel that presence, that's what that is. So the more you experience that, the more you're awakening and knowing what that is. You notice when you're really busy during the day and caught up doing whatever you're doing physically, you're not so aware of that inner presence. But if you stop doing what you're doing, you sit or lay down, you close your eyes, you focus here in meditation and literally focus and do the meditation, do you notice the difference? Do you feel that divine presence? Do you see the inner light? Do you feel the peace or loving? Pay attention to that. It's just so subtle compared to all the physicality that we often just don't give it enough attention. Not realizing the more attention we give it, the more we'll experience and actually go into these heightened states of awareness and have greater experience spiritually and start rising up through the different realms to know the truth beyond this illusion. Because that's what it takes. But believe me, this illusion will try to get us to look at the glitz and the glamour and to sell us, even on spirituality. I had an experience just yesterday where that was taking place. It was like an island event in spirit. Some of you have been to some of those. Quite a few people there, all of you that are attending or watching, I saw a lot of you there. And it was very interesting because there was a couple other people presenting with us, facilitating with myself and Jim. And it was very interesting because there was this one man all dressed to the tee, in the suit, the tie, perfect cut hair, had that look of success, right? He had the look. 
He had the presentation and he had the sales pitch. He even, t he, he even gave me uh, our Love and Loving book. You know how simple the covers are and all that. A whole new Love and Loving book, all colorful and really professionally done, wrapped in plastic, you know, to make it look so professional and pretty. And he was charging for the books. He was charging for gathering. He wanted to charge a price. Well, you know how we are about that, right? From the very beginning, the Holy Spirit shared with Jim not to charge for what we do because this is about the soul. And if we place a dollar sign before the soul, we're going to lose track of where we're going. Well, I say this because look around. There's a lot of people presenting spirituality in a pretty package for a pretty penny. Pay attention to that. I'm saying this not as againstness, but as a point of awareness. The true action of spirit is always one of giving freely to serve the soul in its journey of awakening. If there is a price to be paid to get that information that is for the soul's awakening, there is another agenda at hand. Even if it's accurate information, somebody could easily take our love and loving book, repackage it, and sell it. Still the same exact information. But it is the dynamic in which that is done that creates literally a consciousness of separation and focus in the world or a state of freedom and service to the soul. And this is something we all need to pay attention to. Because the world is always trying to sell us something. That's not a bad thing. Because in this world, it operates a certain way for the body to survive and function here. But when we are talking about the soul and the action of the Holy Spirit, it does not need anything physically or monetarily for its life. God is always giving freely. And it is up to the soul to respond freely, unconditional loving in receiving and giving. And it is that freedom that it has to be done that way or in order to gain freedom. It has to be given freely. Anything other than that causes restriction, limitation. And therein lies the challenge. That's how this world operates. This world is a downward polarity, a negative polarity. It pulls down as gravity. Gravity is a reflection of the downwards pull, karmically, that draws the soul down to get caught up in this creation to have experience. That's why I'm saying it's not a bad thing. It's just the way it works. But for those of you, those souls that are truly ready to start rising above, that gravitational pull, and now move up more in the positive polarity back towards spirit. We've got to turn around and move in that direction. 
And as we move up on that positive polarity, well, one, it's still polarity, but it's now moving in a different direction rather than down and out. We begin to now move in and up. And there is a point when we have built that energy of loving enough and we have put enough time and energy into our meditation and loving God, we will come to a place in spirit where now that downward flow of gravitational pull literally turns upwards and now there is an uplifting upwards flow of the Holy Spirit. And that begins at the higher mind, right around this eyebrow level. That's why we say hold your attention up here above the eyebrows because from the eyes down it's a downwards gravitational pull because the mind creates a downwards focus. So if we can rise above the mind, we're going to get in that upwards flow of spirits. And then the Holy Spirit can actually lift us now beyond this physical creation and into the spiritual. This is why we do what we do, why we focus where we focus, why we share the names that we share with you. Because in the name of the hue, in the unspoken name of initiation, it comes from the soul here that is the upwards flow of the Holy Spirit. That if you focus on that, you are opening for God to come in, get you, and lift you up and out of here. Now, if you focus on the ohm or something in this creation that is of the mind, it'll come up from below and bring you right back down because it comes out of the negative gravitational pulls of this world. And a lot of people are not going to like me making statements of the ohm like that, but it's the truth. But again, as you hear us say, you don't have to believe us. Go and experiment. Find out for yourself. But we need to pay attention and not just accept things blindly. Even what we say here. But do explore. Come here, go to other places, explore. And see what you find out for yourself. Where you experience that true peace and upliftment. And where you experience more of a question, a chaos, and a pulling down. Go have your experience. Don't fear the downward pull. You fear it, you're going to give it more, and you're going to feel heavier. That's what happens when we react. That's a way by which we get hooked into these energies. While what we're trying to do here is to let go of all these energies that we have become attached to that pull us down. And that letting go process, one, frees us enough to be able to even come up to this higher place. But then, even when we do, we still need to not only let go, we still have to do something. We have to participate with that upwards flow. That is what we're doing when we go within and chant that sacred name. That is our participation by which we, the soul, truly begin to love God in spirit. Not God in the world. God in spirit. 
And that is where we bring ourselves into that upwards flow so that God can bring us home. It takes an active state of participation, let alone awareness. That's why we say this is an awakening process, not one where we go to sleep. This is where it's strange because the body often will go to sleep. But if you're hearing what I was saying, if you have focused and built that energy enough, you will wake up spiritually. It doesn't matter what the body's doing, whether the body's awake, eyes open, or whether the body's asleep and the eyes closed. It has nothing to do with the body. That spiritual awareness is a state of awakefulness. And that's what we're attempting to do here. That does not cost anything other than your willingness to give up your karma. Would you rather pay your karmic debt or just let it go and be free? You want to pay it? Go ahead. Work it off. But what do we share here? You do your 10% and God will handle the other 90 that's a pretty good payment plan. <laughs> you only need to pay 10%. But what is that payment? 10% of your day. Give your loving devotion to God. Spend time with God. And God will handle the rest. Well, is that really then paying a price? To spend 10% of the day with God and loving yeah, that's hard work. You guys talk, we talk about doing the inner work. You go, oh, God, more work. Oh, God, 10% of the day, that's a lot of work. Is loving a lot of work? Is grace a lot of work? Well, it feels like it. Well, no, that's the karmic debt trying to get you to work it off. Where all you need to do is let it go and say, you know what? I'm just going to let that go and now spend that time with God and loving and grace. But somewhere in here, we somehow got that all convoluted and twisted, thinking it's hard work to just be in loving with God. It is not. All that other struggle, strife, that hard stuff has nothing to do with God. That's all the karma and the pain and suffering of this world trying to hold us down. That negative gravitational pull I just spoke of. God is easy, simple, ordinary, loving, joyful, uplifting. It's freedom. But we have to get to that place and get on that upwards current of the Holy Spirit. Not the downwards pull Holy Spirit, <laughs> the magnetic light. It is really where we choose to participate that makes the difference. When we even talk about neutrality, it's not something we can do. It's a place, a state of being where we move to in meditation. When we can truly rise above the gravitational pull, we are rising above the polarity of the world where now we can move into that upwards flow of the Holy Spirit, which is neutral. We come to a place of neutrality. 
but we have to do the work, which is what? Rising up through all the hard stuff, the polarity to get to the place of freedom that is neutral. So when we talk about the inner work, like doing the LAF, taking responsibility for our thoughts, feelings, actions, and reactions, climbing that inner mountain to get up here, yeah, that seems like a lot of work. Well, it is a lot of work. But if we could just not bother with that and just focus on the sacred name right here, you're going to find God's going to do most of the work for you. That's the part where we literally say, you do your 10%. God will handle the other 90. Or at the very least, walk with you through the other 90 so it's easier to work through it. Because the grace will clear some of it. And the other stuff, the grace will walk with you to help you handle it so that you learn how to be a co-creator. Made in the image of God as a soul. We are here to learn to be co-creators. So that doesn't mean, oh, we get to sit around and meditate all the time and do nothing. That's why it's just ask for 10% of the day, not 100%. But the more we can live and do the 10%, and as we wake up, well then guess what? That loving and grace we wake up to in doing the 10% now goes with us as we do the 90%. So that that way the 90% now is filled with grace and loving. And it begins to produce the freedom. And what happens when you produce the freedom in there? Well then all the lessons, all the inner work, the karmic learning, all of it is revealed to us. It's not something we work for like homework in school. This is a process of revelation that as we participate with the Holy Spirit, in that the Holy Spirit now begins to reveal to us that which we are learning. And it is through that process we learn to be co-creators. Co-creators, God, the soul, the Holy Spirit. That action of the Holy Spirit is where we and God are co-creators together. It is through the action of the Holy Spirit the co-creatorship takes place. That is what the sacred name is that is given to a soul on his path of sound and light. That sacred name is the Holy Spirit that God has given us to be co-creators. So we have to participate with that to fulfill why God even created the soul, let alone this creation by which we came to experience to learn through. It is that process that we are learning here of how to be co-creators. But it is through the Holy Spirit that that is done, that that is fulfilled, that is empowering, that is enlightening, that is uplifting, that is revealing. It is not hard work. It is only hard when we turn away from God and focus into the world, the ego, in its process of struggle and strife. That's hard. So the more we find ourselves in hardship, in stress, and struggle, and strife is where we want to meditate even more. 
because it is through that action of inviting in the Holy Spirit and our participation with it that brings the ease and the freedom to release the struggle and the strife. The very least, do it to get some relief. But even more than that, relief is just the beginning to set you free now to really go into greater states of awakefulness and co-creatorship. An empowered soul is one that is really learning more of the truth of itself as a co-creator with God. And it is through God's Holy Spirit that is done. So if you think the sacred name is magical and miraculous, it is because of the way it has been set up to work because it is directly God working with the soul. It is not about a spiritual teacher. It is about you working with God. The spiritual teachers are here just to share the information, to share the frequency, to share the principles, and to share the name, and to share with you how to use that, what it's about, and what you can do with it to fulfill yourself in your journey of awakening with God. That's what we're doing here. And yes, it is very magical and miraculous compared to what the world does. But spiritually, it is so ordinary and simple because spiritually this is what spirit is and how it works. But we're not going to know that until we take that and work it for ourselves and discover that through our experience. Then we'll know that. Until then, it's by the sweat of our brow, our tears, our blood and sweat, right? Because that's what this world knows. That's what this body's about. It's what the mind and the emotions are about. Just our minds and emotions will make us sweat and bloody and tearful. It's just amazing what, how the body responds even physiologically to our thoughts and feelings. That's why the more we can let that go and focus on that sacred name and that inner light and sound above all of the physical creation, well, that's where it seems like at times there's miracles and blessings, to say the least. Because that often is what happens when we let go of all the other and allow the grace now to be lived and experienced and to let that filter into all the other. That's why we share in here. When you go into meditation, focus specifically why we're sharing it this way. Because if you go into meditation to ask questions, to pray for healing, to ask God for things for your physical life or mental emotional life, that's all getting in the way. That gets in the way of being fully present with God to allow that action of loving and grace, to awaken in our consciousness and all that comes with it. When you awaken in all that comes with that fullness of loving, it will answer every prayer, handle every question, and fulfill every need, including physically. It may not be the way you think it should be or the way you want, but it will definitely handle it. And that's what's more important to concern ourselves with than our own desires or what we believe or how we feel about things. 
Because we will not realize the greater truth until we are willing to surrender our own personal will and desires and wants and needs and beliefs. That's why it says, give and receive. Let go, let God. Breathe in, breathe out. This is a world of polarity, so we participate in that. But in that movement, think about it. You breathe in, you breathe out, right? Two actions. But isn't it only one breath? One breath. One breath. You breathe that breath in and you breathe that breath out. It is one breath, but it is two actions to that one breath that is important to realize. So it is in that participation of that one breath that the two are brought into the one. That's the whole Trinity action. There's God in the soul and the breath, the Holy Spirit. When God and the soul participate in the one breath of the Holy Spirit, that unites God and the soul in the oneness. And the Trinity action is how that works. It is so simple, we just miss it because we think it's some complex, grand scheme of things. Yet it is not. The mind in its complexity has invented so many things. But God and God's loving is so simple. But it is not until we're willing to participate in that and surrender the complexities will we realize it. And then we'll begin to go, wow, this is so ordinary. This is so simple. How did I ever miss it? Well, that's how you missed it. You were looking for the complex and chaotic. So you missed the simple and ordinary. And it's been right here in front of you. Really, it's been right here in you all along. It's in you. It's around you. And there's going to be a day you're going to know that truly in its fullness. And maybe that day's now. Maybe it's next life. A lot of it, it's up to you and how you choose to participate or not. Really, it's okay with God whether you want to rebel and resist or whether you want to just fully surrender because God knows you're going to fully surrender at some point. <laughs> But whatever we need to do to prove it to ourselves is what we're going to do. And there's nothing wrong with that. We each truly do have our own process. And the more we can love and accept that, the sooner we will move back into that oneness with God. The more we judge it, fear it, resist and struggle with it, it's just a matter of prolonging. We're just prolonging. We're not stopping it. There's no eternal damnation. There's no you're going to be stuck in hell forever just for a little time. For as long as you want because, hey, if you're having a hell of a good time, then when you're ready to be done with a hell of a good time, <laughs> you'll make a different choice. So it's fun to literally just gather and hang out here and share more of that ordinariness. It's funny because all we do is sit around here and talk. 
on a physical level, it literally looks so simple and ordinary. We're not up dancing and chanting and musical chants or, you know, magical potions and doing all kinds of different rituals. Because that's what the mind thinks it needs for something spiritual to take place. When the truth is we have to let go of all that and realize that's a distraction from the real truth that is so simple and ordinary. It's just the body that wants all of that because then it thinks something's going on and it thinks it's now creating something magical. And that's the distraction in the game. But we have to discover that by willing to truly look and maybe ask the questions everybody's too afraid to ask, have the conversations we don't want to have, confronting those fears, even if it means confronting another person to have some uncomfortable conversation. It's going to happen in a lot of different ways. And that's okay. We only hold ourselves back if we avoid out of fear. When we're willing to take those steps to go beyond the fear is when we're going to now begin to find our greater freedom and awakening to that truth that is the Spirit. But we have to be willing to do that. We've got to be willing to let go of our religious constructs, of our beliefs. We say these words all the time, but how many of us really take the words that are shared here and really begin to apply a course of self-study and begin to look at ourselves and what we believe, how we feel, what we think? How many of you actually do that? Do you look at what you're running, what you think is right and wrong? What do you do with that? And then you use that to make yourself righteous and judge others and think they're wrong because they're doing it differently? Even if you were right, whatever that is, what good is it going to do to judge another? We don't have to participate with another, but just a judgment. We don't realize just doing that creates a separation in our consciousness that now just closes the door to the Holy Spirit. That's where we ever want to be watchful. When we find ourselves going in into judgment, when I say, oh, there I go again. You know what? Let me open the door back in. God, I invite you into my judgment. I love myself for judging. I love the judgment itself. And it's all okay. And I let it go. We have to let go of our rightfulness and our wrongfulness. That's how we arrive to that place of neutrality. All the other pulls us down. And it's simply out of the choices we make. Nobody made us make those choices. We made the choices. Even though others may have given us the information and told us what was right and wrong, it's what we did with it. If you realize that, then it is you that has the power to change that. But we're not going to do anything with it. We're not going to change anything that we're not aware of. So we have to begin 
a course of self-study. We say this is a threefold path, meditation, self-study, and service. That self-study action is so important to do, to look at yourself on all these levels, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, imaginatively, and physically, to confront all the aspects of self. And when I use the word confront, most people think, oh my God, that's like an argument. Not to me. Confrontation to me means I'm going to come front and center with myself and all my stuff and look at it in loving. Why does it have to be always a confrontation of a negative disturbance? That's just the fear and the judgment. We can confront everything with loving and accepting and forgiving. It's up to us how we want to confront. That's why we talk about LAF. We talk about meditation. That's how you're going to wake up to really know what loving really is. And then we talk about LAF, loving, accepting, forgiving. To me, that's just taking the loving we wake up to in meditation and now bringing it into self to practice loving, accepting, forgiving. And then we talk about taking responsibility for your thoughts, feelings, actions, and reactions. So if you've already got the loving and the LAF working in you, by the time you come to those thoughts and feelings, actions, and reactions, you're going to be approaching it with loving, accepting, forgiving. And if you're not approaching it that way, you're approaching it with fear, most of the time if we approach it with fear, we're just going to avoid it anyway. We're not going to even bother looking. But if we're really practicing it in the order we have laid out, if you need a reminder, go back to the website and look at the core values we have listed on there. That's what I'm talking about right now. When you approach all of it in loving, accepting, forgiving, it'll automatically trans transform it. The way we approach ourselves, others, our thoughts, feelings, actions, and reactions is what makes the difference with how we experience it in ourselves, in the world, and others. That's what makes the difference. Not the circumstances. How we within ourselves approach the circumstances is what makes the difference. So we need to take that time in meditation and to confront ourselves in loving and acceptance and forgiveness. And when we do that, we will automatically approach all the rest from that place of loving, accepting, and forgiving. If we're not doing that, take a step back and start from the beginning. Oh, I'm approaching it in judgment and fear. Oh, I need to take a step back then and go back into the loving and accepting forgiving. And if you don't know how to do the loving, accepting, forgiving, then take another step back and start right here at the seat of the soul in loving God. Because eventually you've got to get back to step one because in truth there's only one step. The other two steps are for when you screwed up. Well, I can't say you can't screw up step one actually because if you actually do step one, there's no screw-ups. It's only when you skip step one you screwed up. <laughs> That's why, like the experience I had yesterday when I saw this polished professional package everything pretty and present it to make a dollar, I knew the game. And I said, nope, you're out of here. <laughs> That's not what we're doing here. 
You can go do it somewhere else, but that is not what we're doing here in ILM. Because the truth is the truth, and it is presented a certain way, and it is upheld a certain way. If it is not, it is not the truth. But that's part of everybody's learning in the games of the world. So don't get caught up in the pitchers and the sales pitch. Take a step back into yourself and discover the truth. Because as you do, you'll know all the games. And then you'll just have a good laugh and say, nope, not for me, not participating. But I am participating in this. I'm not making you wrong, not judging you. I'm just not going to do it with you. And if you're in my space, I might ask you to leave. And if you won't, then I'm going to leave. <laughs> I'm going to leave my own space and go to God's space. And that's the truth. That's why you hear me make jokes about boundaries. Just like our little circle here, you know, Jim and Brian's space. Jim and Brian only. The sign says so. Do not enter. Oh, that one's towards us, so I guess we're not able to go outside the circle. Okay. <laughs> this is my space. This is my space, and that is your space. And what do people do as soon as we lay out a boundary? They step over it. That's right, you don't hear me talk about boundaries. Anytime you lay out a boundary, you're going to have somebody who's going to challenge you on it. Because... This polarity is a magnet. Whenever we lay a condition, it is a magnet, it is a boundary that magnetizes now the challenge. That's how it always works. The only way I found out of the challenge, out of the boundaries, out of the game, out of the polarity that creates it all is to step out of it to remove ourselves from it. That is exactly what we're doing here when we say to go inside, to meditate at the seat of the soul, is where you rise above it all. It is that rising above that is truly the only way out. But we're going to do everything else to have our experience to try to prove otherwise. We're going to show God by God. Well, no, no, I'm sorry, not by God. Well, by Christ. No, 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 not Christ either. He's related with God. By myself. <laughs> Such is the folly. But that's what we're all doing. We're all the little rebellious children. Think about it. Don't kids at some point as they're growing up, no, 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 let me do it. Like learning how to tie their shoes or something. They, they get enough information and now they're determined to do it themselves. Well, yeah, in this world, that's good for the body to learn how to survive in this world. But if we continue that attitude with God, well, I say, okay, God, go ahead and tie my shoes. Oh, I don't have laces. Well, I got that taken care of. That's what happens when God comes in. No more need for laces. <laughs> We'll just give you some flying shoes or wings. That's the transformation that takes place. And the consciousness here, it seems miraculous or magical, because it is. But to God, it's just normal, ordinary. It's how it works spiritually.
So we're learning about spirit, but that learning comes as a process of just experiential, spiritual experiential. And that's all we're doing here. It's really not magical. It just seems like it is because it is so different than that which is of the gravitational poles. That's it. Is that rain? Sure enough. Wow. All right. We're getting either the cleansing or the water to grow, or maybe both. Clean, clean away all the old and water for the new. There's some big drops. Wonder if the skylight you can guys can hear on the microphone online there. I don't know. <laughs> Got some big raindrops over here in Texas right now. That's really nice. Which is kind of nice, actually, this is happening because I'm kind of where I'm at now where I wanted to start of just the ordinariness of hanging out here and sharing the way we do. It is that ordinariness that is so special because most people try to approach God making it special or thinking it's special, not realizing that which we're creating as special actually separates us from God that is ordinary. I guess that's it for me for the moment.